is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the third part of today's podcast. I think this is probably going to become a weekly feature, certainly over the summer, and is likely, I think, to be titled Tweezy's Transfer Notebook. So I think, as I mentioned, this is probably going to become a regular segment over the summer, and it will be where I try to profile one or more players and outline the reasons why I think they would or would not make a a great transfer or be a great fit for, for Chelsea. So in this week's notebook, we are going to take a look at two players and then just give you a, a third name at the end, just to give you probably somebody to track over the next season, somebody possibly who may move this summer, but certainly someone who I expect over the course of the, the next one to two seasons to really grow their profile in, in France and possibly again be somebody that is that is on the club's radar. So in terms of heading to France, we're looking at two midfielders that Chelsea have been linked with. That would be Eduardo Camavinga and also Aurelien Chouameni. Um, and the name to keep an eye on is a guy called Luca Gorna. And I will give you some, uh, some notes in him at the end. So in terms of kind of setting the scene, really, what I want to do, I think, before profiling players or really going into the, the details of what makes them particularly special, I want to kind of set the scene on the reasons as to think I kind of think that they they needed their profile, uh, that position. And in that respect, really look at the profile of Chelsea's midfield kind of as a whole before we kick off. So I think Thomas Tuchel's use of Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho in a very compact midfield pivot or the double six as he likes to refer to it. I think that enabled Chelsea to really remedy one of our biggest weaknesses that we've seen over the past couple of seasons. Chelsea were often isolated in transition and particularly I think poor when it came to defending in space in central areas and I think it's evident for everyone that defending counter-attacks particularly against lesser teams um, this often resulted in I think our midfield looking uh, quite porous at times. And in terms of those weaknesses, certainly were evident in both Maurizio Sarri and Frank Lampard's sort of 4-3-3 shape, particularly with playing a, a single holding player who probably, in Jorginho's case, isn't necessarily the best fit for Premier League football in terms of playing as a, as a lone number six. So in terms of sort of the introduction of three centre-backs with the two wing-backs playing... Almost, I would say, as, as wide midfielders rather than sort of traditional wing-backs. Um, heavy, you know, heavy defensive responsibilities placed on Rhys James and Ben Chilwell. Um, Tuchel was kind of able to create this compact uh, defensive structure and midfield that teams found incredibly difficult to, to break down. You know, with the three centre-backs, you have uh, an additional man at the back, you have additional protection, you have naturally more defensive numbers behind your midfield, therefore... I think empowering them a little bit more to to intercept, to retain their their shape, to to ensure that they are effectively shielding the the back three as as, as best as they can. And when Kante was playing, giving him the the confidence and the freedom to to go and hunt for the ball. And I think when we saw this shape deployed in Europe, in particular, you know we were able to to dominate the games with an incredibly patient tempo. Um, super robust defensive structure and I think our ability to counter really efficiently and effectively was was very much in, in full effect. However, what I would say is that this kind of game model, this approach 
clearly I think is is one that will work in Europe. I think it's something that we can probably expect to see next season a fair amount, certainly when it comes to the Champions League. However, when we look at the, let's say the application of the shape and the system with the players in it domestically, the results were, were clearly not the same. And I think for people who are maybe regular listeners or if this is your first time listening, you know, in Europe, I think teams have, you know, much more of a an inclination to attack. They obviously have better quality of players. There is more, I think, onus on them to try and take the game to Chelsea. Um, and Chelsea's ability, I think, in Europe in these games to counterpunch almost to resemble a sort of majestic Floyd Mayweather Jr. kind of performance strike when the opportunity presents itself. That style of play, the ability to sit, to absorb pressure, to patiently circulate the ball, to probe for, for openings against teams that you know were not just content to put 11 men behind the ball, was really one of the major reasons why we had so much success in Europe. We were happy to play the, the pragmatists. We were happy to be patient. We were happy to to use the opponent's sort of strengths and their maybe desire to, to be the aggressor, their desire to be on the front foot against them. However, I would say for, for years now, though Chelsea's sort of Achilles heel, particularly from a domestic standpoint, has been breaking down these low block teams, teams who are very content and very happy to sit with 10, you know, 11 men behind the ball and essentially ask Chelsea the, the question, do you have the skill? Do you have the quality? Do you have the ability to pick the lock that we are presenting you? Now, this is something that probably extending to Conte's second season, Sari, Lampard, and, and certainly under Tuchel as well. We have often really struggled to dominate against these teams who afford us possession, who ask us to be the aggressor, who ask us those questions. And where we are expected to be on the front foot, to be a team that is capable of, of creating um, not just a, a high volume of shots, but quality shots. Uh, that has not been the case, certainly for you know for the past couple of seasons. Now, I've often kind of felt that while having a very patient and deliberate sort of midfield setup in Europe is almost perfect. We saw how how punch perfect that midfield combination and setup was over the course of the Champions League campaign, where you have uh, you know players with very high defensive traits. Uh, players who specialise in building up in that sort of um, patient sort of tempo style. We have the ability to keep the ball moving. Um, and I think it's it's easy to say, obviously, with hindsight, but certainly when watching the games, that that combination, particularly the Kante and Jorginho combination, which gave you sort of energy and composure in a European game, um, that obviously worked particularly particularly well. However, I think when you look at how that applies domestically, that sort of same patience, I feel, leads us to be a very conservative, quite unimaginative and risk-averse side, particularly against teams who really are almost happy for us to have the ball to the extent that we have um, and, you know, sort of building patiently up against them rather than maybe having more sort of dynamism and drive and risk and looking to play a, a much faster and a much more aggressive tempo. When you look at certainly games that we drew under Thomas Tuchel, I often felt that we were not really pushing the the pace of the the game to the extent that we should be. Um, you know, we were again maybe too 
maybe too aware of the the opponent's ability to counter. Um, you only have to look at the, the West Brom debacle to, to see how things can unfold if we if we don't play to the potential that we can. Um, but there are plenty plenty other games, uh, Manchester United, Southampton, etc., where we were way too patient and we had, I think, certainly in terms of a a style of midfield build-up. You know, when teams are are asking you to break them down, you don't need to play, you know, 30 passes or have, you know, 100 touches in midfield to to break teams down. You need to move the ball at pace. You need to take more risks with passing. You need to make, uh, you know, take more risks in terms of, of your positioning, how you're going to receive the ball, where you're going to receive the ball, the areas that you want to play into, the areas that you want to receive. And I think with this in mind, um, it's no real surprise that Tuchel is looking to add a midfielder, according to sort of media reports. Whether that is a traditional number six or whether that is more of a a sort of modern kind of box-to-box midfielder remains to be seen. But I think the fact that he is exploring that opportunity or exploring those those options tells you that he realises that a different profile of midfield player is probably needed someone to complement a Jorginho, um, someone to complement a Kovacic, someone to complement Kante. And again, particularly when we're looking at the majority of Chelsea's fixtures are not against your Real Madrid's, your you know Manchester City's, United's, Liverpool's, etc. They are against teams who more often than not will sit back and ask Chelsea the the question to to unlock the door um, and to break them down. So looking for the the, the profile of, of midfielder. Um, you know, somebody who is technically gifted, somebody who has that sort of modern athletic uh, profile. Um, and probably most important, somebody who can affect the game in every third. You know, the one critique of, of all of Chelsea's midfielders is that I think they are such a, a non-entity. They're such a a, uh, a non-threat, you know, in terms of being in the final third, um, that it actually allows teams to sit and tuck in even deeper because they know... Um, that it's going to be an incredibly rare piece of play that one of Chelsea's midfielders in the final third either finds a pass or a dribble or a a shot or some creative action that is really going to, to impact the game. So, again, I think in terms of the, the profile, the last sort of point really before we get into the, 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 the individual analysis themselves is that I think we're looking to add some athleticism to the midfield area. And this isn't sort of a question of just having a, a sort of brainless uh, athlete in there. You want somebody who is incredibly technically proficient, but has the capability to play box to box, to affect every single third, to be defensively aware, to be able to get back in transition, um, to be able to to yeah, effectively run with a Premier League midfield. And adding that athleticism, ensuring that there is a technical quality to their game, often means that some of these teams with limited players but great athletes in midfield won't necessarily have the same degree of comfort they've had against us over the past couple of seasons. And the question really is, is that if you, you know, do you really need to be so compact if both your central midfielders um, have the capacity to, to not necessarily play in such a defensive structure around them? They don't need to have wing backs tucking in and, and three centre backs playing incredibly, incredibly compact behind them. If you have somebody who has a more of a modern midfield profile, you know, you can push your wing backs further, further forward. You can maybe ask one of your centre backs to bring the ball into midfield more. You can ask your 
inside number 10s or number 10s in the team to take more aggressive positions because they know that they don't have to come back and, and press so much or lead the defensive effort so much. Um, and I think certainly when it comes to the different profile, I think I said previously, it's about injecting um, different traits into the midfield area to complement the existing players that we have. Um, and I think ultimately the idea here is to try and release the handbrake, I think, where warranted, particularly against teams that we have often struggled to, to create against. <clears throat> now, with that being said, we're going to look at the, the first player here. That being uh, Eduardo Camavinga. So I think Camavinga is likely to move this summer. I think from kind of various media outlets, it's fairly, I don't want to say fairly obvious, but it seems to be um, something is it's a matter of when, not if, he moves this summer. Now, there is notable interest from in Manchester United, and I think it's probably the fact that he is part of the Stella agency. Um, and yeah, they have incredibly good ties with Manchester United, so that link is, is really no surprise. Um, and I think, again, with his profile in France, it obviously makes sense that he is being linked to, to PSG. He would appear to be on an absolute mission this summer to try and sign as much talent as possible. And there are recent reports that Petr Cech is also an incredibly big fan of him, and, and rightly so. Now, in terms of, of breaking him down, I tend to look at sort of three major kind of areas, a general kind of style of play, looking at him from a technical and a tactical perspective, as well as evaluating him from a physical standpoint as well. So I think in terms of style of play, I think Camavinga is kind of sort of the undoubted star boy of, of French football. And that obviously can come with its own pressures. We look at sort of Kylian Mbappe and, and how he has handled the, the limelight in France and how that sort of career path has, has moved for him from Monaco um, to being sort of the, the main figure, the main um, talisman of, of French football. And I think in a similar vein, Camavinga is, you know, equally a precociously talented and a player who is probably, if, if he continues to develop, someone who is quite possibly destined for, for great things. You know, I think first and foremost, his attitude and his desire, particularly given his standing in France, um, is, is very interesting because he's, he's quite a combative player. He does like to put his foot in. He's not just a sort of attack-minded midfielder who is sort of unaware or at least afraid to sort of embrace the, the physical side of the game. He does like to battle in midfield, and I think he does have some of those traits, particularly for his his age. You know, this is a guy who is only going to turn 19 in November of this year. So, you know, an incredibly young player who has got a lot of experience in Ligue 1 under his belt for such a, a young player, uh, particularly somebody who's playing in, in central midfield where it's quite difficult for young players to, to shine. Um, I think he's got a, a very special ability to dribble in congested central areas. Um, you know, a marvellous, I think, balance and, and ability to change direction. You know, his ability to, to beat pressing players quickly and efficiently, I think, as well, is, is another trait that makes him look, I think, uh, a cut above people at times. Just that effortlessness that he can, he can shimmy, he can regal, he can beat players with a piece of skill. Um, that quality, I think, is something that I wouldn't say it's it's 
it's rare in central areas because you know we people do watch Kovacic play every single week and it's something that he particularly excels at. But I think Kamavinga's ability to to yeah sort of wriggle and beat players in congested areas and then actually find some end products on the end of it, I think sets him apart, certainly when it comes to some of that um, kind of end quality, some of that quality that we're looking to see in terms of distribution after a nice piece of, of skill in midfield. And I think the final thing really, just from a general style of play, he's a very good passer of the ball, um, particularly when he looks to sort of hit the ball between between the lines, when he looks to hit the ball into... Areas that I think players in this Chelsea team, particularly midfield, maybe wouldn't sort of be interested in trying to make that pass. So when you have guys like Kai Havertz or Mason Mount dropping into pockets of space, quite often our midfield would rather play the lateral ball to a Rhys James or a Ben Chilwell and keep the ball circulating and maybe not take the, the onus or ownership or responsibility to try and play that punchy pass. And I certainly think that that's something that Kamavinga has. Now, from a kind of technical and a tactical standpoint, I think he is kind of this embodiment of, of the new age of midfielders, this sort of modern hybrid, if you want. Somebody who is, you know, robust in the tackle, kind of a swashbuckling box-to-box midfielder type. He does play, you know, lots of, of different positions in, in France as well. Um, and I think ultimately that he he has sort of a an ability to also be a kind of creative and sort of a little bit of an ingenious player in the final third. So when we're looking for maybe that profile of player to to impact the game, to change the, the game, to give Chelsea different options, particularly in the final third, I think Kamavinga's ability on the ball, his ability to find passes, his ability to dribble, beat people to get a shot off, I think that adds so much in terms of making Chelsea's midfield a much more dynamic area. Um, I think the other couple of things that he certainly plays with a level of maturity and understanding of the overall kind of midfield style and overall midfield game that really kind of does belie his age. Um, I think this is something that would continue to get better and certainly when you factor in Thomas Tuchel's insane ability to coach players and make players better, that for me as a starting point and as a foundational point for Tuchel to build on is it's quite scary to think of in terms of what possibly could happen in terms of Tuchel developing him into the profile of midfielder that Chelsea probably need at this point in time. Um, similar to, I think, uh, you know, how Jorginho has sort of played under Tuchel and certainly how he's been playing uh, for Italy in the Euros. You know, Kamavinga can and, and has, certainly when I've watched him at times, been that, that sort of true kind of metronomic um, orchestrator from central midfield, you know, architecting attacks, um, organising and screening defensively. He can do all of those things. And I think the, the final thing really is that he's comfortable pretty much in every area of the of the field, whether that is receiving the ball deep um, or playing on the half turn in advanced areas to to receive an attack. His, his level of comfort in terms of receiving the ball and, and confidence in his own ability to be able to progress play is, I think, absolutely excellent at times. I think from a from a physical standpoint, just to sort of close out, you know, he's a very quick player who can close space incredibly quickly when it comes to, to defending and counter-pressing. Um, also, his ability to drive through midfield or, or into space with the ball, you know, that, that ability to dribble at pace, I think, is incredibly potent, certainly when it comes to sort of centrally congested areas. Um, and I think probably the, the last point is really about how I think he uses his body incredibly well to receive the ball. 
and maintain control possession, particularly and specifically under significant pressure. You know, he's a strong player, but he's certainly got much more time to grow into his uh, his frame, given his age. Hey, everyone, we hope you're enjoying the show. We'd just like to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for making this episode possible. We'll be back after this short ad break. Now, I think this season wasn't sort of the the kind of, let, let's say, the, the star boy level season that I think maybe people were, were hoping for with Kamavinga. However, I think with him, you are certainly buying into the potential. You're buying into the, I think, the ceiling that the player has, you know, what he can become, what he possibly comes into as he matures and as he is, is probably playing under a slightly better coach. So in terms of sort of Kamavinga's fit, yes, you know, certainly as a, as a guy who can play comfortably, I think, in, in the double pivot for, for Tuchel. But also, and I think importantly, in terms of these players that we're being linked with, Kamavinga is equally capable of playing in a 4-3-3, um, 4-2-3-1, whatever sort of shape you want to use. And his, I think his traits, his sort of modern central midfield profile gives you the ability to, to try and switch to a back four if you need to or if the need arises in certain games. If you want to attack more, if you want to have more attacking numbers on the on the pitch, have less defensive numbers just by sort of virtue of not playing with the back five, that capability certainly exists with, with Kamavinga. Um, I think in terms of in terms of Chelsea, you know, he would be a, a number eight in a 4-3-3, obviously part of the, the double pivot as mentioned. I do think for the the fee that I've seen sort of going about for him, certainly worth the the risk of an investment for for thirty odd million pounds or euros or whatever that sort of fee was mooted around for. So, I think you're looking at a player that has a really significant ability to get or really significant potential to get better. Um, already would come in with a high ceiling and high quality. I think probably coming from the French league and certainly the way that he. He uses his body, would be somebody that can play Premier League football early in his career, has the physical traits that you would want, has the technical traits that you want, has the intelligence and the mental traits that you would want to play in central midfield areas. So I can certainly see why there have been, it's kind of recent uh, sort of, you know, rumours coming out that, that this is a player that Petr Cech is, is incredibly fond of. Now, moving on to our second player. We're looking at probably my favourite non-Chelsea player or the, or the player that I was most excited to watch last season outside of Chelsea. And for anyone that, that knows me, uh, probably knows that I'm a very, very big League 1 fan. I watch a ton of League 1 football. Um, so getting to watch Aurelien Schuermeni at Monaco, for me, was was one of my favourite things to to sort of look into um, kind of over the course of the of the season. And I think if you think of all the talent in the French League at the moment, the fact that this guy won the Young Player of the Year award but was also voted into the Team of the Year, I think hopefully sets the, the context for, for at least the analysis that I'm sort of putting forward here. So I think last season when it comes to players who play in a, a double six or double pivot regularly, I think he was the, the best player that I saw in terms of executing that role. Probably the best um, kind of box-to-box -box destroyer type profile player. And again, I think this was a guy who has that modern central midfield profile in that he is, I think, a great ball progressor in terms of his his passing, um, both in terms of the, the passing detail, that is the, you know, the ball striking, the, the direction, the weight of the pass, the 
the angles that he can find. And importantly as well, I think from a defensive standpoint, this is a, a really, really top-tier player. And before I, I get into this, um, you know, I think from my perspective, I try to judge some of the French talent that I watch against the better teams. And when you're watching him against PSG, for example, in both games, you know, he's he's an absolute standout on the pitch, um, playing maybe more of a, a defensive role, um, slightly more of a, a, a conservative and withdrawn role, maybe more of a similar style to what Chelsea had had used Jorginho and Kovacic and Kante, you know, being the, the guy on the to protect the the back uh, the back three or back four and the ability to to screen and to win balls and to create counterattacks and to start the momentum of attacks and to really create that locomotion of going forward. The PSG games, if you want um, to watch any 90 minutes of him, I would probably recommend both of those games. I think they were certainly uh, certainly games that he absolutely excelled in. And then I think if you want to see maybe the impact that he can have on teams that are probably sitting deeper, that are playing a slightly more lower defensive block and not your quality in terms of individual players, in terms of like a PSG or a Lyon or whoever. Um, the Saint-Étienne game where he scored an absolute blinder is also probably a game that I'd recommend trying to watch some highlights or trying to watch some uh, 90 minutes of. I think that they're very good examples of him at his best. Um, and I think importantly, again, when I, when I scout, when I analyse players, I'm trying to focus on what it is that I feel they do positively what what you know what are their positive traits rather than focusing on the negatives i want to know what a player can do what they can add to the side um as well as trying to to obviously not not to dismiss uh, the downside that they have but trying to focus on the positives and what they can bring to bring to the club so going back to sort of Schumann's style of play we've we've already heard from from me slightly earlier that i think this guy is a a very good progressor of the ball both in terms of passing and carrying um, but also incredibly well-rounded when it comes to the defensive side of his game. You know, traditionally when he was at Bordeaux before Monaco, he was more of a, a deep-line playmaker, somebody who would be more akin to getting onto the ball and, and passing and looking to to dictate play from the base of a midfield. When he has gone to Monaco playing in this double pivot, he has really added so much to his game from a, a box-to-box standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, that he is, for me, one of the most well-rounded sort of young midfielders in, in European football. Now, you know, his ability, I think, to read the game, certainly from a defensive standpoint, again, I'm pointed to the, the PSG games here. That, for me, is a game where you have a huge, um, you know, add to, to this Chelsea side, his ability to, you know, not only read the game, but react and use his athletic traits to get to the ball, to press, to win the ball, to, to put a foot in, to stop counterattacks. Um, that is, I think, one of his best traits. And, you know, one of the, the traits that I most kind of look for really, or one of the things that I look for most, I should say, in a holding player, particularly um, when we're looking at the, the age of, of statistics and analytics, there isn't really, to my knowledge, a statistic that shows you a or, or how well a holding midfielder can hold up the counter-attack. And by that, I mean by getting to in a position where you cut off a dribbling uh, lane or, or, or a passing lane to the point where you are making that player who is leading the counter-attack almost stop and, and wait for two, three, four seconds to allow the rest of your team to fill back in. It was something that John Obi McHale was absolutely superb at, 
stopping counters to the point where you know you're asking someone to play a much more negative or much more horizontal pass rather than a vertical pass or stopping them from dribbling past you and then starting to run dangerously at the heart of your center back so one of Shumeni's really great traits is not something that you'll find on FB ref or who scored or wherever it's that ability to defend in space to hold the game up just long enough to allow the rest of his teammates to fill back into position or to get into better deficient, uh, better positions from a defensive standpoint. I think the other thing as well is that he's always on the move. You know, he's constantly moving to create passing lines from, for teammates to him. Um, so when he receives the ball, he's he's receiving it uh, in, in a good amount of space. Or, or in some cases, you know, he's quite happy to receive the ball under pressure. Um, and the important thing, I think, about him and the addition that he would bring to, to Chelsea's midfield is that he's willing to always try and look forward and play a, a forward and an aggressive pass in this Chelsea side. I think that, you know, the, the tempo of the game at times is very patient and there is nothing wrong with that. But having someone in your midfield who can punch that ball into a number 10, can punch it into the ball of a, of a centre forward, can switch play to a wing back, can really, um, you know, make some, some great sort of passing decision, decisions and execute them at a higher level is quite transformative in terms of adding somebody to the midfield with that sort of ability. I think he's got good variety and his, his execution of his passes is great. You know, he takes ownership in the in the Monaco team in terms of being the the guy who is, yeah, sort of taking ownership of, of that ball progression element from central midfield. You know, he wants to be the one playing the pass to to sort of be the catalyst, to be the the yeah the impetus, to be the the guy who is setting the 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 pace of the game who is injecting dynamism into the the ball movement and ball circulation and i think ultimately from a defensive standpoint you know his his combination of defensive intelligence you know his ability to read the game that anticipation combined with you know his strength and his agility to close people especially when he can be very aggressive in the challenge to me you know it's it's a great watch when you're looking at him defend um you know, ability to press, the counter-press, but also really to to add a physical presence to Chelsea's midfield that maybe we haven't had in a, in a long time. Somebody who really can dominate from a physical standpoint, given his, his traits. Now, I think from a technical and a tactical standpoint, you know, his movement for me is the thing that I, I most sort of identify with. And I think I alluded to slightly earlier, you know, his ability to to find pockets of space behind, um, you know, behind uh, lines of, of attackers who are maybe pressing, um, dropping back into the defensive line when needs to, you know, when it sort of needs to, to happen. Um, but he he's more often than not in the right place at the right time to receive the ball. And if he is being shadowed, he works incredibly hard to try and free himself from a marker as well. And I do like that about him. I think he's quite a cultured guy in possession. You know, he's got a great switch of play on him. You know, and I think again, if you, I'm going back to the PSG game here because it was such a highlight, but he he picks a a pass out for a goal that Cesc Fabregas eventually scores um, from a midfield area that I don't think many players um, at Chelsea over the past couple of seasons would have even seen, let alone been able to execute. Now he has that capability to to find those cute little passes in the final third to play with a little bit of guile, a little bit of um, sort of disguise and, and quality and. I think again, you know, looking at his, you know, passing detail, and by passing detail, I mean the, the the ball striking, the the pace on the ball, the weight, the the direction, you know, playing it to the right foot of the receiver, all of that sort of stuff for me is always spot on. Um, I think again, you know, this is a guy who I 
I think is a, a powerful ball carrier when it comes to sort of midfield play, you know, and he's great, I think, in tight spaces, has very, very good feet, um, you know, and a, a kind of a very unique ability to sort of invite pressure and turn, sort of use a variety of turns and, and skill to beat the the pressure that he's he's feeling to create a a sort of passing lane for himself. He's very good at, at being able to to beat one or two players to create passing angles that are normally quite vertical. He's great at, at finding those passes into number 10s and into centre forwards by beating players in, in midfield as well. Um, and I think, again, lastly, from sort of a tactical standpoint, in terms of his flexibility, very similar to, to Kamavinga in that I think, you know, this is a guy who has played as a lone number six and gives you that option. I don't think he is a pure DM in the sense of the word, but he plays the role at a high level. He gives you that, you know, athletic skill set. So you don't necessarily have to uh, be too concerned about your number eights dropping in super to be super defensive. Um, but he's, his anticipation and his defensive acumen, you know, his ability to read the game combined with the fact that he's a great athlete. I think those are the traits that allow him to, to be a successful number six. But importantly, again, in fact, most people who have watched Monaco this season will know that they play a double pivot or in uh, two cool parlance, uh, double sixes. And I think this season, as kind of shown by his his team of the year selection, he was by far, the, I think, the best midfielder in France in that role. So he has, I think, an embedded um, you know, set of, of, of playing biases and, and playing uh, mechanics, which probably would allow him to settle into... Thomas Tuchel's, you know, 3-4-2-1 formation quite seamlessly in that respect. And again, from sort of a physical standpoint, just to sort of close out here, you know, we're talking about a, you know, 6-1, tall, powerful, athletic guy, somebody who knows how to use his body importantly, you know, to shield the ball, to regain possession, to drive through midfield, to invite pressure and to beat it. Um, you know, and it's this sort of combination, I think, of his his awareness on the pitch, Um which I think once when I was watching him play, you know, allowed him to sprint, I think about 30, you know, 30 yards um, to make a uh, absolutely insane block on, on Kylian Mbappe. So to give you a, yeah, a sort of reference point for the guy's athleticism, you know, Mbappe was, was sort of through on goal um, and, you know, sure many made up about 30 yards on him to make an, an absolutely crazy block. Um, and again, having that sort of athleticism in, in midfield is, is invaluable. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, very similar to Kamavinga, although probably more so in, in Schirmeni's case. You know, this is a guy who I think I have absolutely zero concerns about his ability to compete physically in the Premier League. You know, he's ready to start from, from day one. Um, yeah, I think overall, you know, this is a, a guy who's got a combination, I think, of great defensive skills and he's got an ability to act as as sort of a, a point guard or sort of a, um, you know, a, a sort of ball progressor from deep. And, you know, he has that destructive ability, but almost almost um, a balance between being, you know, somebody who is capable to, to be a destroyer, but have that calming presence, win in possession, have that technical side to his game, have that skill and ability to, to add quality in possession. Um, you know, has all the Premier League sort of midfield traits that we want in terms of in terms of athleticism and physicality. Um, the only thing really, and again, in terms of just sort of mentioning that he's obviously, you know, a prospect that is still raw and developing. There are parts of his game that will need to, to, be, de to be developed upon. Um, you know, you're looking probably at 
um, concentration being one of the issues. I think, again, being a young player, he occasionally has has lapses in, in concentration. Um, but again, this is a guy who is, you know, sort of 20, I think he's 21 now or 22. Um, and with, I think, the coaching of Thomas Tuchel, that is something certainly that, that can be can be ironed out of his game. And yeah, very kind of, I suppose, um, I wouldn't say very common, but it, it is common for young midfielders maybe to, to switch off occasionally during games. Uh, but he does quite often, if he ha- if he does switch off and he is sort of played around, he does have the ability to, to get back in. And again, in terms of sort of balancing out, obviously, the, the praise and how highly I think of him, um, I think he needs to just possibly look at the, the balance of his distribution. Um, you know, having the ability to play the pass doesn't always mean that the pass needs to be played. And again, I think this, this is just his, his traits from being more of a sort of a, a deep-lying playmaker where he was sort of given the task to almost play those passes at will at times. So again, if he's coming to Chelsea, it may just be more that uh, it's a, a sort of tuning of his his kind of risk-reward internal kind of clock or his sort of internal kind of radar there, helping with, you know, obviously Thomas Tuchel being able to to let him know when the right opportunities are to use that, use that array of passing, to use that ability to pick players out rather than maybe just trying to keep it patient and a bit neater at times. So, you know, two things really, the only things really I've noticed and I would say, again, this is a player that I've watched probably more than more than probably any other player this season. I've watched Monaco pretty much most of their games. Um, so the, the critiques are very, yeah, they're, they're sort of, you know, I wouldn't say they're nitpicky, but they are, I think, very specific to to items that he would need to, to sort of develop. But again, in terms of the the ceiling of the player in terms of where he could go and what he could be, you know, the the overall package that you're getting, I think, is is this incredibly gifted and talented, um, you know, modern sort of central midfielder. Um, and I think would, would give Chelsea a real dynamic and progressive player from central midfield areas. This is a guy who who can who can score, can get into the box and finish, has got a good shot on him. I think, as I mentioned as well, has that final third kind of creativity that I think that we've we've lacked from those midfield areas at times. Um, you know, what he he possesses certainly his ability to to combine with with forwards, to combine with wide players, to combine with number tens. Um and he would allow, I think, you to to push an extra guy forward in attack. So where Chelsea are often maybe attacking with three or maybe four players where you have a wing back forward, you could start to add numbers to the attack by pushing somebody like Shuameni into that sort of central pocket of space and letting him um, try and find some of those passes that he's very good at and also trying to let him get into the box and get onto the, the end of, of some of Chelsea's crosses and, and cutbacks. Now, that sort of concludes the main bulk of the, the sort of transfer notebook for, for this week's episode. Um, as always, I'm, I'm happy to field any follow-up questions on, on Twitter or, in, or on Discord. Discord primarily is probably where I'll be responding most of all, so Discord is probably your best bet. Um, but to conclude with, I just wanted to give a very small um, introduction, let's say, to a player that I'm starting to become more and more fascinated by in terms of what his his future might be. And that is a guy called Luca Gorna, um, central midfielder, you know, in, in France, he's being labelled as the next Paul Pogba, all this sort of stuff that comes with, with being a, a French midfielder. Um, I think this is a guy who, yes, has that kind of Pogba-esque frame as a teenager, 
um, you know, has just really sort of broken into the Sans Etienne team um, at just 17 years old, which again is is such a you know such an incredible age really to start breaking into a league and first team. Um, you know, he played or he made 27 appearances or has made 27 appearances so far in his career. Chelsea have been at least tentatively linked with him in the media. And it's a guy that I was sort of made aware of by uh, some friends in, in France who are, who are coaches sort of mentioned that this guy is somebody that a lot of people in sort of academy and youth circles in France are very, very interested in in terms of his development. Now, looking at him, certainly looking at how he how he plays, he's not Paul Pogba in the fact that he's uh, an attacking presence, but he might be the Paul Pogba if Paul Pogba was more defensively minded. Very, very solid player. Great at receiving the ball under pressure. Great at playing in a in a, a double pivot. Great at in playing in midfield in general. Um, but this is a guy who I have a feeling is going to have a big, big career ahead of him. And if you're looking for a young player outside of England to, to keep an eye on, I think the way his career develops and possibly pans out over the next couple of seasons will be of interest to, to Chelsea fans. He seems to be this all-encompassing central midfielder who has qualities way beyond his years as a 17-year-old. Um, you know, the physical traits are there already at such a young age, but it's the technical quality, it's the defensive awareness, it's the intelligence of his positioning for a kid playing in midfield at the highest level in France. That is what is exciting me and I think exciting others at the moment. So that will conclude today's transfer notebook the tweeds transfer notebook to give it its correct branding let me know what you think i'd be uh, happy to listen to really sort of any suggestions of players that you might want to be looked at um i think the next one of do will probably take a look at some center backs that chelsea have been linked to and maybe a few that uh, a few that i've liked as well but sort of going through i think the weeks we'll take a look at some individual players so you can expect some episodes on erling Haaland. You know, Romelu Lukaku, Declan Rice, people that we've been heavily linked with, um, as well as maybe some players that are maybe tentatively linked or slightly under the radar. And by the time the transfer window concludes, I think hopefully there'll be a few of these that you can you can listen back on. So this has been Joe Tweeds. I hope you enjoyed that and I'll speak to you guys very, very soon.